Talking Backwards is an independently produced program. If you would like to help support us and join our community of patrons, you can do so through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. There you can find ways to not only help us grow the show, but also get access to exclusive merch, live streams, behind-the-scenes content, and even early access to upcoming episodes. That's patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. We hope to see you in the future. Or is it past? Uh, Take the Ring is about to join us. Just so you know, I had no notification. The Take the Ring? Oh, I like that it says Take the Ring. Mr. Ring. Yes, Mr. Ring. The? Mr. Ring? His middle name is The. Is it, uh, is it Taka? Taka Therange? You don't know how to read and pronounce. I know how to do. No, you don't. Okay. The uh, double R is not busy tonight. What are the specials? Um, I don't know. The sign is behind me. I could look, I guess. Hello! There he is. Hello! Whenever you're ready, Tyler. Welcome back to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. I am Dave Jackson, joined by Patrick Mahan. Hey, everybody. And Tyler Mullins. Hello. And today, as we discuss the secret history of Twin Peaks, we have a special guest joining us. This is Jeremiah Beaver, a.k.a. Take the Ring. How you doing, Jeremiah? Hi, everybody. Hello. We are very excited to have you here, sir. It's true. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I found your stuff after uh, the return. Some, I don't know when you published your first video, but I remember finding your videos on YouTube and my mind was kind of blown <laughs> by the stuff you posted. I can't wait for these guys to see it when we get to that point. But your videos were a huge help for me. So I've seen all of Twin Peaks. I am very much up to date <laughs> on everything <laughs> in the Twin Peaks world. Dave? I have seen all of season one and two. As of last month, I have read the book, Secret History of Twin Peaks, and I have seen some of season three, I think up through part eight. So it's not going to be long before I'm on board with uh, Tyler. That's <laughs> never going to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> I will make sure of that. Yeah. Uh, Tyler is going through all of these things with us episode by episode and through the book for the very first time. Yes, it has been painful. <laughs> Definitely been a bumpy road. Yeah, this is our this is actually our 40th episode too. And this weekend that this is airing is actually the year anniversary of our podcast, which is crazy. Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. It's um, felt like ten. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, Tyler's literally had to watch I you I doubt anyone else has had this experience where you've had to watch I mean, maybe if you did watch the original series, you watched it week to week. But yeah, I mean, he's literally watched it week to week and had to talk about it, <laughs> you know, which is a very unique situation. Awful. But we love it. And we love seeing your reactions. It's always fun to watch a first timer's reactions. I mean, I've, I've been watching The Return so far with Dave, and it's been fantastic. I can't wait to dive into to that. We're almost there. But first, we got to get through the secret history of Twin Peaks. I have very few stats about the book. Oh, Pat stats? I have Pat stats. The official Pat stats. You could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us. Pat stats. Haul out your boy for some Pat stats. 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 I hate. 
It's the most ridiculous, obnoxious intro for any segment. My my stats are going to be shorter than that intro. Let's hear them. The book was written written by Mark Frost, co-creator of Twin Peaks. Uh, It was published on October 18th, 2016, and published by Flatiron Books. Those are my pat stats. All right. Excellent. So, so Mr. Mr. Ring, can I call you Mr. Ring? Sure. Mr. Ring. <laughs> uh, tell us about your experience with, with Twin Peaks. Like, when did you first start watching the show? So, it was a couple years after it aired. So, I just turned 40. So, I was, I don't know, this is like 95, probably. So, uh, Firewalk With Me had come out. The show was over 91. Firewalk With Me was out 92. And by like 94. Before I was, you know, 13, 14, starting to get into cool music and movies and, you know, I could go rent rated R movies and things like that. So like, yeah. game changer. Yeah. So like I had, a, I, had a cool, I had a cool Spanish teacher and she was like, oh, you like all these movies? You should, you should check out Blue Velvet. So I checked out Blue Velvet. I thought that was cool. And then this like back in the day when we had record stores, <laughs> like I went to this record shop or CD shop and. This cool guy behind the counter was like, oh, hey, man, you ever seen Twin Peaks? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I was like, the show that got canceled, I was like, that looked kind of cool. And didn't they make a movie or something? And he was like, yeah, yeah, but you were talking about Blue Velvet. Like, that's David Lynch. Like, he made a TV show. And I was like, oh, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, yeah, then that was it. I was so pumped. I ran next door to the video rental store, and they only had Fire Walk with me. They didn't have the pilot. And I was like, I was like, I, I'm going to get this. He was like, well, it's a prequel. He's like, yeah, screw it. Go ahead and get it. So I like, I watched Firewalk with me first. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like on one hand, like it, it spoiled it. Mm-hmm. But I think that like I knew through like osmosis that maybe, you know, who killed Laura Palmer. So it spoiled it. But on the other hand, like that's like pure heroin, David Lynch, you know? Yeah. So it was just like, I was just like, so it blew my mind I, I saved up my got my christmas bonus at work and i went and bought the whole box set so the vhs I, the box vhs set. box set so yeah. i basically like binge watched that whole thing in like Fantastic. two weeks wow. yeah. yeah and then I, I then i wore the tapes out i wore the tapes yeah. out i watched the whole series so many times but anyway that's my twin peaks story and then i was a huge fan forever and i bought the first season of dvds when they came out but like i'd seen it so many times and the extra features weren't didn't blow my mind so there was a gap there of like i think like the eight years leading up to this book and the return was kind of like you know i didn't i didn't buy all the i don't like the gold box and the thing and like as far as dvds went i wasn't really into it but i'd seen all the stuff on vhs probably 30 times or something yeah that's awesome yeah, I feel like because it was such a long time before those DVDs that that was a big deal. Or even, I guess, probably even when it got to, because I mean, it's been on Netflix forever, too. And I feel like that it just found a whole new audience sort of in those years leading up to, you know, it returning uh, yeah. to TV. The entire mystery Blu-ray box set, basically 2014, everything started to turn around. So yeah. you had hardcore fans that had the, the DVDs, but... 2014, you saw the entire mystery Blu-ray set, which was the first physical release of the missing pieces, which yep. people like me had been waiting for for 20 years. <laughs> right. Um, and can't imagine. 
and yet I think 2014 is also more or less when it started hitting streaming. So yeah, the physical yeah. Blu-ray set came out, the release of the missing pieces and Firewalk with me in that box set, and it started hitting streaming. And this was all just a slow ramp up to the return. Yeah. I think this book came out like six months before the return. So that's yeah. what we're about to talk about is its own thing. I'm super curious. Basically, when I wrote a, I wrote some notes down and everything is all questions for you guys. Perfect. <laughs> I have no answers. <laughs> How did you hear about the book? When did you pick it up? Was it Patrick? Was it after the return? Did you read the? You just read this yeah. recently. Right? Yeah, well, no, I so the audiobook I'd read recently, because uh, mm. I did throw that tweet out on the talking backwards because you responded, mm. you're like, yeah, get, get yourself a, a you know, a, some bourbon and sit back and read it, you know, and listen. And I and that's what I did. And it was great. Awesome. <laughs> but the book, yeah, I did not actually read. I, I've read it a few times, but I didn't read it until after I watched the return. Because my experience with Twin Peaks was, I was late as well. I, I knew about it coming back and I watched the original series on Netflix right before the return. So I did kind of watch them back to back and I loved it. But for whatever reason, the book kind of flew under the radar for me. Yeah. And I kind of hate that, but I, you know, obviously there are things I can pick up on after seeing the return. It's still, it's still great. And then when we did, we started doing this podcast because it was Dave's idea probably this time a year ago to do this podcast and then Thanks, I, I was all in uh, I was all in for sure but I remember yeah, I told these guys I was like you have to get this book I'm pretty sure I you know they got it before we were even close to getting I know Dave for sure was Tyler might have just gotten it a month or two ago but they didn't get pick up the book until I mean well Dave you probably got it what like six months ago but you didn't touch it until we got finished with fire walk with me right well you sent it to me as a wedding present i think oh that's right that's right so it would have been almost a year ago and wow. yeah. you gave me that katie loved that <laughs> well i was given express instruction not to read it until we had seen fire walk yeah. with me and i hadn't seen yeah. it yet yeah and i actually didn't see it up until we were about to do the episode for it yeah so you're in a unique spot too where i had you because i don't think i realized all of that as well when we started watching because you you were just over last summer and i was like let's watch some of the return because i knew you'd watch twin peaks but mm -hmm. i was like let's just watch start watching some of it yeah. <laughs> and now apparently i keep seeing posts on reddit and stuff this book is popping up at like dollar trees and like other like wholesale outlets for like a dollar which i just think is so funny just imagine someone walking up in a dollar tree being like oh hell <laughs> <So>, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's only a dollar so yeah so i mean did you did you pick this up first day mr ring yeah, I did. I was uh, super excited about it. A little background on it. So they put out the, the physical media in 2014, the box set. I think it was 2015 they announced that it was happening, that they were doing the return or they were doing a, more Twin Peaks. So then it was right after, after they announced that they were coming back, then Mark Frost came out, said, oh, there'll be an accompanying book with the with the show that mark frost is going to do a book so they both wrote the show lynch will direct the show and frost is coming out with a book that's oh, awesome that's cool and it was called the secret lives of twin peaks and the original press release or the original interviews and I, I didn't have time to dig this up but it was called the secret lives of twin peaks and it was going to catch you up on what all your favorite characters from Twin Peaks had been doing from the original show leading up to the new show. Which is, which is not what happened. No. <laughs> That's what I wanted. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people did, and they probably. I mean, if if that was something that was announced, I'm sure there was some disappointment. Yeah. Oh, it was announced, and I remember. <clears throat> but like, I mean, to be honest, like I was, I was super excited because the 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 Blu-ray box said it can't come out, and I was like, oh yeah, Twin Peaks. Like I seen it all, but and I wasn't even gonna buy it because it was kind of expensive when it came out. But my parents got it for me for Christmas because they remembered that I loved it so much. So I spent like my whole holiday rewatching it, kind of like falling in love with it again and seeing, seeing Fire Walk With Me and HD on Blu-ray. I mean, I just mm-hmm. was like in heaven, right? So I kind of like 2014, like got me going again. Then they were going to make some more and I was all excited. And then the, the 26, you know, they're coming out with this book. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But then it, it was like six months later. So then when the book actually came out, it's like, oh, I guess it's called The Secret History. Okay order it pre-order it whatever then it comes and you then you read it and you're like what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> so i think yeah other than and I, like i said i wasn't really on the internet but looking like i'm sure there were a handful of fans that were like oh my god it's amazing the book is amazing it's mind-blowing whatever but like me and everyone i know was that read it was just kind of like what the hell is this? Like, there's no, there's hardly anybody from Twin Peaks in it. How is this leading up to anything? Why we spent uh, an entire chapter on Lewis and Clark? Yeah, this, this is like a history textbook in from high school, and with addendums. Yeah, and you're just like, what? So to be honest, like, I had I had bad luck with this book. So I, I ordered it, pre-ordered it. My birthday is at the end of October, so it's like right around the same time. So it's like, oh, cool. It's like, I'll get this. And it'll be kind of like a birthday present to myself. And I can you know, take the day off and read it and all that. And I got it from Amazon or somewhere, and the, the jacket was torn. Hmm. So I sent it back. And then I got it back. That jacket was torn. So I emailed him back. I was like, hey, guys, like, you're going to, I can go buy the physical copy of this. So they sent me another one. Jacket was torn again. And I'm like, look, if this wasn't Twin Peaks, I wouldn't give a crap. But like, right. if I'm going to buy a hardback book for the first time in five years or whatever, like, I don't want it to be torn up or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I was nitpicking, but I was just like, so I sent it back. I said, screw you guys. I'm going to go buy a physical copy. Went to Barnes & Noble in my town. I went to every bookstore in town. No one had it. So I ordered it. And then it was going to take like two weeks to get it or like even longer for them to get it. So I just went back to the Amazon or wherever, ordered it again, and one came and it wasn't torn. I said, thank God. All right. So then I sat <laughs> down to read it and I was not feeling it at all. Like, I think it was probably a month later by the time I got a copy that wasn't damaged and was able to sit down and do the whole thing. And I, when I started reading it, when I was like, this is going to be a difficult read. And then I realized, oh, it's like a fire, it's like a dossier. It's like I got all these pictures and cool stuff. And then I heard that the, the audiobook had some actors and whatever. I'm like, I'm gonna listen to the audiobook while I'm reading it. Just sit on the couch in the living room and go through all this. And I think I did like three or four sittings. I did the whole, you know, but it probably took me a, a week or two to get through the whole thing. But now I love it and it's like my favorite thing at Twin Peaks almost. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that's my history with it. So if you guys, awesome, I, I'm dying to know like first impressions. What do you think? Are you are you want? Are you ever gonna read it again? Are you <laughs> were you miserable the whole time? Or 
And it's funny too, because these guys, these guys have listened to the audiobook more than I was able able to do it. Um, so I'd like I'd like to hear what they have to say too, uh, since they're really fresh on it. Yeah. So at my job, I have the opportunity to listen to a lot of things just through headphones. I pretty much have headphones in from the time I clock in till I clock out. So I was able to. Hope your boss isn't listening. <laughs> they all know. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have headphones, you would go crazy at my job. But no, I, I listened to it over the course of about, I would say a week, just kind of did it in about two to three hour chunks, just to kind of take a moment to kind of absorb what I'd heard and mull it over a little bit. For the first few chapters, I had no idea what I was dealing with. Like you said, it was like a big history lesson. And I'm not great with history, so I don't know how much of it was retconned and how much of it was actual fact. Like TP can verify as much as she wants, but I don't know if that's for the book or if that's actual history. <laughs> so there was a lot of stuff. Verified TP. Sorry. <laughs> Verified TP. <laughs> there were a lot of names getting thrown out, a lot of locations. It was, I mean, it was very Twin Peaks in that it was a huge information dump. Even though you've, you've heard about things like the Lewis and Clark expedition, you, you've heard a little bit about uh, Native American tribes and how they were removed from their land. And a lot of that is in there. And there's, like you were saying, there's not a lot of Twin Peaks in it. It's kind of everything that leads up to what ultimately happens in the series that you know. So I honestly zoned out for chunks, just like 30 minute chunks, because they were just talking about military tactics and covert <laughs> movements. I was like, I'm, I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist. Wow, that wasn't words. I'm not a huge conspiracy <laughs> theorist either. So a lot of that wasn't really jiving with me. And it really took a while for the ball to get rolling for me to start picking up on names. Just like Andy, Andy Packard, like Andrew Packard as a Boy Scout. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Goutmaster Milford. <laughs> <laughs> then I was in, I was like, I'm here yeah. for this. I want to know what these people were up to in their youth. And this is bananas. Cause then we get into like alien abductions and uh, like visions and like symbology and how history kind of mixes with uh, what people uh, perceive as aliens or ghosts and how just through time, everyone's always had a different name for things. Like even just different countries have different names for the same uh, theology. Yeah. But like when all that started coming into play, that's when I started texting the guys. I was like, guys, this book is wild. <laughs> yeah. Confirmed. That was my favorite reaction. Yeah, when you said when you <laughs> sent that, I was like, okay, good. <laughs> I was like, it's like once once we got out of like what actually is necessary, like those things, <clears throat> those little historical things that they made work and tie into the greater Twin Peaks universe. I super appreciated and were were very cool that they were there, but that wasn't the hook for me. It took kind of trudging through that to see how this was going to work out in the big picture of things. Because once we got to how these things are just on the border or may have leaked through into where everything in the TV universe was happening, that's when it started looking like something very interesting. There, there's a lot to talk about, a lot that I'm really excited to touch on too. So it's good. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's going to be a copy paste. Yes. So I started listening to this book. I got outside and started mowing the lawn, tossed it on. <laughs> and about 10 minutes in, I tossed it right off. <laughs> I was just like, uh, <laughs> I'd rather listen to the lawnmower. Um, <laughs> I, I had no idea. I didn't understand. Like Patrick, you tried to prepare me for kind of what it was. Um, but even then, even then, like you did a terrible job. 
how can you prepare someone for this? <laughs> we don't even know what this is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no one did. No one did. And I think people just, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I, sorry to interrupt. No, just, you're, uh, you're, no. you're talking about the dollar store thing. Yeah. This book in 30 years will be just like the access guide and the Laura Palmer diaries. And they'll be selling for a hundred dollars on eBay or the freaking right. board game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get the board game where he gets outbid at the last second every time. I pushed uh, yeah. my bid. I lost this week. I was up to like $102. <laughs> and then like the last two seconds, I went for 150 and I was so angry and relieved. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> but no, I, I started listening to this book. Of course, it was weird because again, I, I had no idea why we were talking about any of this stuff, you know, and even going, I really didn't pick up on much of anything until, like you said, Dave, like, Dougie Milford got introduced or whatever his name is. Yeah. But then even then, like I was having trouble getting into it until it got to like actual Twin Peaks stuff. Like once it got into familiar territory, I was like, all right, I can dig on this. And then after it left that and got into like yeah, the like, Nixon stuff and that, <clears throat> yeah. all that stuff, I was like, okay, like I've lost, like my retention level is zero. And so like, if I don't know what you're talking about, I'm not really gonna remember it, uh, which is why I had to listen to it so many times. But that first listen was just like in one ear, out the other. That got to be a major issue for me is where it tried to be like, let me teach you about these different organizations and what they do. And Move I, on. in my brain said, no. <laughs> I, I, I didn't learn this and now is not the time yeah. so it's it definitely takes a few passes to really take in everything that's being posited to you because it it's so different it's such a different medium and i'm so thankful that there's an audio version because reading through it is a, a task because it's where do your eyes go exactly yeah. Yeah, these yeah. pages with handwritten scribblings that i i honestly have a really hard time with anytime somebody does that if you don't Anytime write like somebody a writes book, something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, when like when cursive they, writing. Yeah, like cursive is I get it. Yeah. It's rough for some people because not everybody does a very clean sometimes it's just a scribble and the word is circumstance. I can't read that. Circumstance. So like that, that was one thing I that was one thing I really appreciated about the audiobook. Was that you know, that it's a, just like with definitely you know, a huge help. I, I feel like it I don't know how it didn't take Mark Frost, 25 years to put this thing together. When you like, you're flipping through it, you're like, is this what he's been doing? Is this what he's been working on? Because like, especially if you're saying that he did the secret live, like it was announced as the secret lives, something changed at some point and yeah. he still got this done in like a year, which I don't understand how that's possible. I realized yeah, that he was probably using this as an excuse to throw in all the stuff that he likes, like UFOs and conspiracy theories and politics. And like, I get that. And, and he was just having a field day like incorporating the Twin Peaks universe into this, which I, I have, I respect him for it. It's awesome. I couldn't do it, <laughs> but I, I don't understand how this didn't take him longer. So I have a theory about that. One is okay. you're right. He has said he was asked in an interview how long this took. Okay. Because someone posited the same thing. Like it was this take you like 20 years. And he said, oh, this took me a year. So basically that when they, we're done writing. Frost went to do the book and David went to do the uh, probably pre-production and the shooting, like that kind of stuff. So he basically put this out. However, there's a couple of like caveats that I'm speculating about. One is 
this is kind of like you said, like this is crap that he's been into his whole life. Yeah. Right. So this, it's not like he just woke up and was like, I'm going to incorporate all this. Like you can't do that. He knows who (laughs) he is. He knows Lewis and Clark. He knows Uh, all this stuff. Jack Parsons, all this stuff is not all of it, but like a lot of that history, Mark Frost knows this stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a great band or something like, Oh, we only recorded two weeks to record this album. It's like, yeah, but you guys are like musical geniuses and you, you already had most of this stuff in your head anyway. Like, right, right, right. Like, I guess. And then the other thing is, is that I believe personally, no one else has said this that I know of, could be stretching a little bit. I believe that a lot of this was discussed during the writing of the show. There is stuff in this book that, based on context, like there is no way that some of this stuff was not discussed between Mark and David. So I know that David Lynch has not read the book, that supposedly he has not read the book. However, I just know for a fact that backstory has been discussed and I'm not gonna ruin anything, but like there are things that David Lynch says and does in The Return that directly reference this book. So like, where did it come, did they, did they separately make up the same stuff? No, of course not. Like (laughs) when they were putting The Return together, they kind of had a, so what have our characters have been doing for the last 25 years? Oh, well, how about, you know. That's why I get frustrated too, because people will say, you know, oh, he didn't read the book. It's not, it's, it doesn't mean anything. And I get so like frustrated that I'm like, you don't realize like how important Mark Frost is like to yeah. Twin Peaks. Like people just like to just write that off. Like, no, no, it's all Lynch. Yeah. And I just did a live update on my channel and just to paraphrase was just like David Lynch didn't even read the secret diary of Laura Palmer that was written by his own daughter at his direction and the secret diary of Laura Palmer to some people to friends of mine it's the most important thing in Twin Peaks it's the most personal it deals with the most trauma people being abused etc cetera, etc cetera. Yep. you can't just throw these books you can say hey I only watch the show I'm not going to read the books I respect that but if you're like I am a diehard Twin Peaks fan, and I think Twin Peaks is the whole universe, but it's only David Lynch, and the books are garbage, and it's like, no, like, sorry. Those statements contradict themselves already. Right, exactly. So, anyway, I'm sure I interrupted somebody, but, oh, no, uh, I mean, real quick on Dave's point, when he was talking about how different this is, like, it's important for people that might be watching this for the first time or haven't read the book, like, I've never read anything like this. This is not a standard novel. Or no, it's not a it novel. Says, the, the cover, on the says, cover a novel. says a novel. <laughs> no, yeah, the cover even says a novel, and it's not like not, it is written. not one bit from the first page. <laughs> this is not a novel. Um, yeah, yeah. Now maybe after the return is over and we start talking about you or you guys talk about the return, like, and I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, Patrick and Dave probably would have <laughs> would. Just uh, <laughs> in the same way that The Return is not a TV show. Right. What, what is it? This is not right. a novel. Right. Like, this is not your standard stuff, is what I'm saying. Right. I, 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 the only thing that I will say in this episode to compare this to The Return is that it's, I think this it is, is a, a novel in Twin Peaks. The books are wondrous <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank exactly. you, so, The same way that The Return is not a standard. TV show. This is a a perfect complimentary piece because this is not a standard novel. Yeah, you're right. 
it's, <laughs> it's such a it's such a great companion piece for world building yeah and just as an idea like for something like this to exist you typically don't get these kinds of books unless they're spread across several installments like the buffy the vampire slayer universe 20 comics to wrap up their story and get all the backstory and this is a single book that gives the smallest quirks about characters an explanation something you never get in twin peaks ever you get some answers in this book uh, not for the not for the questions that really matter but yeah <laughs> Like, what has everybody been doing in the last 25 years? Like, <laughs> yeah. Jacoby's whole Hawaii fetish and the reason for his 3D glasses, yeah. it's explained. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He grew up in Pearl Harbor. He doesn't experiment with the left and right brain and how it perceives information. And that's why he does it. I don't know yeah. if they already had that in mind when they were dressing him like a maniac or if this is retconned information. But the you know, fact that they made it the either way. Even the pilot, he's got the, I think he's, doesn't he have a hula? Like there's a hula yeah. Guy, yeah. Like, on the- He's got a hula girl type. Yeah. It's like the very, yeah, the yeah. very first scene with him. I would love to see the show Bible for Twin Peaks. I mean, I'm sure it's hieroglyphics, but I oh. bet it's just crazy. Oh yeah, we need to talk about this. I, I haven't keep, talked to these guys about it. I keep one of these in my copy of the book. There's a lot of 3D pages in the book. I noticed there were some weird images. There's and... a lot of 3D stuff in the book, yeah. I don't know if you and guys have a pair of 3D glasses lying around. <laughs> not on me, man. It's, it's, it's that red and blue, the Jacoby stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there, there, there's a handful of images that if you have these little glasses, it kind of separates them. Yeah. So I guess not, like, since, like, so there's a, there's a sh picture of uh, Leland. And Bob, and, yeah. And a Bob kind of superimposed on him. But the Bob is in blue or red ink. And it's lightly printed so if you look at it through these glasses like he if you close one eye he disappears oh cool so the the book's got a bunch of cool little nuggets of stuff in there there are <laughs> really yeah it's easter really eggs and secret messages in this book oh yeah <laughs> yeah there's a lot i want to talk about one i mean I, I mean i realize we haven't really even like just started with the content but there's one easter egg that's bothering me and i may just be really really dumb and i can't figure it out but i've you read idiot. this and like yeah, in like two different places I've read this. The the pages where it talk it shows the books in the yeah. book house. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a secret message there. Yeah. And what I don't understand is so the secret message is apparently so it says um trying to find the exact quote. It mentions something about like a mirror or something. Yeah. yeah. And so there's like there's certain numbers that are backwards. Yeah. And the first word, if you want to explain this to me, please, because there's only one part of it that I can't figure out. And it's the part where it says double because I don't see the word double when I'm looking at it. And maybe that's because oh. I'm not looking at it in the mirror. So the mirror is not necessary, necessary. And to be honest, like, I have to look this up. I think that this was maybe in the Welcome to Twin Peaks website, who just did a feature on my travel doc, by the way. But they did the online announcement for the book. Maybe yeah. the first review or maybe the one that actually came out or whatever. And they had this in there. So I don't know if Welcome to Twin Peaks found this out or maybe this was slipped in the press release like, hey, there's cool hidden stuff in here and here's an example. So maybe he found this out on his own, but he gets credit for publishing it anyway, I believe. Yeah. I got to look it up again. Welcome to Twin Peaks, I think. But anyway, yeah, so here's the thing. In the book, if you notice the archivist 
his trusty typewriter is broken. And so he, the number one is broken. So he uses the capital I, okay? So every time there's supposed to be a number one, it's a Roman numeral I. So if you look in this picture, the first book, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, yeah. that's numbered number one. So then number eight is Cooper's pick. It's the Warren Commission report. Right. Okay. And that's the, the Warren Commission report. And then this is double indemnity. The last book I see, is it's all the way on the end. Yeah. Double indemnity. And it's number 11, which is I.I. So the idea is if you look at this in the mirror, Roman numeral I reversed looks the same. And number eight reversed looks the same. The only numbers that can still be read is II, 8, and I. Get fear it? Fear the double. The first word of this book is fear the double. So yeah. fear the double is the hidden... Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> They've left. <laughs> Bye. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. No, see, that's great. I think I was mixed. I think when I read it... What? I was reading the 11 as like a 2. And I thought it was the second book. Oh. Had, that one says the yeah. as well. And yeah. I was like, well, this doesn't say double at all. <laughs> like, and I wasn't reading that last book on the very end. That makes way more sense. So I knew, I knew it was something simple I was overlooking. That's fascinating. Because he even says like in the first paragraph of that page, it, doesn't it say something like about a mirror or mysteries or? It says the top, the first line is much can be learned in unexpected places. That says it. the library at the bookhouse is unique resource. And then at the bottom, it says, good literature is a mirror for which we see ourselves more clearly. And it's clear to see that the people of Twin Peaks have experienced many a twisting turn of fate. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And while we're here, uh, James Hurley's favorite book? Who cares? <laughs> James Hurley's favorite book is Charlotte Webb. So cool. Is it? Uh, I think because he's... He's like four years old, yeah. mentally. Sensitive. <laughs> Perpetually. <laughs> Sensitive? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, four years old. That's funny. Why? 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we can go back and we can, if we want to kind of do things, if we can, uh, in, in somewhat of an order of the book, we can at least hit some bullet points if there's anything uh, you guys uh, want to touch on. I just need something broken down for me of like the first couple of chapters, just to kind of like condense it and just why is it important? Because I never really picked up on why this was necessary other than it was in relation to the, I guess, the general area of twenty. It's the, the ring. Kind of ring. Yeah. The oh ring. right. Yeah. The it's all ring. about the ring. Oh, done. <laughs> yeah. It's basically all about the ring, and basically in the Pacific Northwest, and you know, Dave was right. Like ninety percent of that Lewis and Clark stuff is absolutely true. And then there's like, oh, we found this secret journal page where somebody in the party found uh, some natives that traded him this ring. So it's hard to explain because I don't know what it's setting up. I mean, you guys right. know that the ring is in Fire Walk with me, right? And it right. And you. I don't also thought get... too the the missing page was just to be just sort of a nod to just Laura's missing pages too. You know, those being like missing pages that were lost or whatever. I just. It just seemed like more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Meriwether Lewis had the ring, right? Supposedly, right? And then he was killed yeah. under suspicious circumstances, which is 100% true. So Mark Frost is working in that perhaps the man who killed him stole the ring. Now, this is Meriwether Lewis's apron, and this is uh, the Masonic Lodge stuff. So there's hints that the Freemasons versus the Illuminati, who are the, have that symbol of the owl, 
and the Freemasons are kind of like more democratic and the Illuminati are more authoritarian. And so there's this underlying theme, the two lodges, the Masonic Lodge and the, you know, the Illuminati's like whatever their lodge is called. So whatever you want to call it, like good versus evil, secret society. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. These backstories to the lodges. Let me, um, let me kick a scenario to you. Yeah. <laughs> the nurse that takes the ring from Annie. Right. Is she possibly a distant relative of Meriwether Lewis trying to get the ring back in the family? I doubt it. Fantastic. fantastic. All right. <laughs> All right. That's fantastic. He shot it down. That's fine. No, but no, it's no, been that, addressed. This is <laughs> anything's possible. Anything's possible. It's tough because it's like you said, like just sum up that first hundred pages because it's all like history. Like I don't get it. And I'm like, I don't get it either. All I can tell you is like what's in there. Yeah. And it's a lot like Lynch's work. And I haven't read enough other Mark Frost books to know how much of it is just him writing this way. But like there's stuff in here that like, I don't know why it's in here. I don't know if you caught like there's one little newspaper clipping article. It's a real newspaper article that was really found. And it's about a skeleton that was found in a super ancient, like uh, before the native Americans, as we know it, I don't know if you guys know anything about the mound builders and like, yeah, like 5,000 years ago, as sure. opposed to the, the ones that we know from like a few hundred years ago. But they found a skeleton. They talk about it's a newspaper art. They found the skeleton and it was huge. It was a giant, giant skull with a giant body or whatever. And this is just one little tiny newspaper clipping that's in, in the middle of all of this somewhere. And to me, that's like the giant, maybe the giant is a spirit or somehow tied to these ancient creatures that in whatever early 1900, they found a skeleton of. So, I mean, there's like some stuff is super loose and that's just me like speculating like, oh, giant skeleton of a giant human. Where are there giants in Twin Peaks? What about the giant? You know, like, (laughs) yeah, uh, (laughs) so... Anyway, every page has some something on it that's like, could this be something? Is this on purpose? Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. Obviously, ninety percent of it's on purpose because, or else it wouldn't be in there. But yeah, you know. yeah. It definitely feels like everything in here is very intentional. But I think the big thing to glean out of this first sort of collection is that through these historical letters and encounters. We're led to believe that the Nez Pierce, the Native American people of the area, had convened with white giants before there were ever white explorers in the area. And from these giants, they got this ring, which is what Meriwether Lewis gets in a trade with them. So when they mention having interacted with white people, it's almost like, well, that's impossible unless they came from somewhere that nobody knew about. We also get a lot of talk about uh, something called sky people and other spirits. And I think it just kind of sets the groundwork for this universe, like where this town is, all stemmed from something that's been here before people even were. 
-hmm. it's not Lovecraftian so much, but it's definitely like an eldritch presence. Like whether it's from space or just this supernatural energy that's in the planet, that origin isn't really there, but it's just saying that something was here and something interacted with these people long before people were out exploring. They encountered it because it was just there. And that continues to permeate everything from there forward. Tyler. Yeah. Well said. Sorry. That's the best explanation of the first chunk of this book I've ever read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do our own audio book. <laughs> the Secret History of Talking Backwards. Verified. DJ. The, the Abridgment. Verified. TP. <laughs> yeah, we also, pretty much immediately after we get out of that, that it starts kind of talking about the uh, mysterious circumstances of Lewis's death. Of note for me was his... His death. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't... I thought you were about to say... I thought we were going to have like this cute little... Say the same thing at the same time. It didn't happen. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't work out. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, forgot what I was saying. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a moment where he's supposedly mentally kind of coming unraveled. And yeah. there's a part where he's in his house and he's described by his, I, I think, housekeeper as pacing back and forth around the room like a lawyer. And I thought that was a very interesting choice of words considering mm -hmm. what happens later in the series. Yeah, with a certain lawyer. Yeah, and I, I, we discussed this almost at length about Leland and his vulnerability to the spirits. Yeah. But it's almost like the ring is kind of guided or seeks out people of a certain character. Like you have to have these innate qualities to be targeted by whatever this is. And so while he wasn't a lawyer, the fact that he, he carried himself in such a way that somebody looked at him and described him as a lawyer really stood out to me. Like how many kinds of people has this ring changed hands to that are, that fit this description? Sure. I just thought that was cool. Totally did not remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the thing too. That's just one, it's one word, you know, it's like, it's one word that just stuck out and, you know, exactly. <laughs> it was in the middle of a lot of, history lessons still like and a lot yeah. of just like storytelling that i wasn't clicking yeah. with until i heard that word and i kind of perked up and ran it back about 30 seconds yeah I was like hold, hold, hold on hold on who are we talking about what i was gonna say and i think i think patrick you're you're the one that mentioned this to me um about his death his death when there was the did it work <laughs> <laughs> he didn't pick up on your clue that time <laughs> um what was it? oh the the moonlight yeah yeah. And oh, then, yeah. Yeah. They're not being a moon that night. Yeah. Not being a moon that night. And then we got on the discussion about the White Lodge, how Briggs was, you know, that white light that showed up when he disappeared. Yeah. So is that like something, I guess, the same that thing that here, happened? Yeah. yeah. Or anybody want to confirm that for me? I, I think or it's the exact same it. thing that happens to the campers or the kids on their, yeah. their day out where it's a, it's uh, Margaret yeah, Letterman, yeah. uh, Carl Rod, and <laughs> a third person. <laughs> a, a third individual. It is funny how how they really downplay that third individual. I mean, they talk about him, but then they but later on, it's just like I think uh, Briggs or someone is is saying it, and they're just like, and a third person. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, who has since passed. Yeah, I think it's because they want to make sure you remember the log lady and Carl Rod. <laughs> yeah, remember there <laughs> were three, but don't worry about the third one. But I, I think you're right. I think that context would suggest that Chief Joseph, Meriwether Lewis, the three kids, possibly somebody else. Didn't Andrew Packard get? Andrew Packard said he had an experience. Yeah. He had an experience. Yeah. And these are all in the woods of Twin Peaks. 
Yes. And uh, Milford. That's yeah. where he got the, oh, yeah. the branding. But yeah, yeah, yeah. so then right, right. wouldn't Packard have those same branding or scars or whatever? Well, he, he mentions having a similar experience because uh, I think it's Dougie Milford, I think, comes to him and says, like, hey, this happened to me. It was crazy for him to say, like, I actually experienced something similar. I, I don't I don't know if it was the exact same thing proper. Like he got. Is he the one that was talking about the, the giant owl or was that Milford? I can't I can't remember who mentioned it. Yeah. Briggs mentioned giant owl in the show yes well but it's I mentioned in the remember. in the book it is mentioned uh, in the book but i don't remember who where. it was i, th- I, I thought it was the boy was. scout oh i think you're right i think you're right that somebody saw something it looked like a four foot owl or something like that there's a what is that statue too that's at like bohemian grove well there's the a owl, picture of it you're getting off track patrick i know <laughs> <laughs> i know there's a whole bunch of owls there's a lot. But yeah, I think it's safe to assume that they experienced a similar thing. Flash of white light disappeared for a period of time and have been touched in a certain way or whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, marked for sure. Marked or, yeah. Now, Not did I can't, like you said, like uh, Andy Packard doesn't have a scar or didn't mention it at least. And I'd have to look again. But like, I think some people have like encounters or weird stuff happens to them. But yeah. then those five or six people I mentioned, like Briggs from the show, yeah, like in the Wind Peaks, flash of light and disappears for an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah, I, and I, I, I mean, I could be wrong about Briggs too, but I was sort of under the impression that he had maybe gone there too before he went there that time with Cooper and got the scar. I, I felt like he had maybe already been there and maybe hadn't gotten the scar. I could be wrong. I don't know. You might be right. So all of you have been, you've got through the whole book. Yeah. Yeah. You know who the archivist is, right? Wait, who is who who? <laughs> when you go back, it should be obvious just from the way some of the stuff is written. I'm just but. making owl noises. I'm not asking who. My oh. first thought was that it was gonna be Laura. <laughs> you did say that. You're like, is Laura the archivist? What a twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, it is uh Major Garland Briggs. So, but yeah, so in the beginning of the book, I mean, you've got the introduction of the ring, you've got the introduction of the concept of abductions or crazy experiences in the woods. And as the story moves forward, he dies and the ring is stolen, arguably, and disappears into history. And then the ring doesn't show up again until like the 50s. It's like way later. Yeah, in the book, a long gap. Yeah, in the book. Yeah, yeah. So well, there's uh, the gap later too. It's like, how did the ring get from Nixon to Laura Palmer? <laughs> yeah, Mike Nelson. No, he's dead. Bobby Shaw. So oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I hate to keep plugging my stuff. Please do. My you first episode on the Al Cave Ring. I break through chronologically every single appearance, including the book. So the yeah, first you do. is the Lewis and Clark stuff all the way to the end of the return. So it's, it's the whole, every time that I've found it's mentioned or appearance, I lay all of that out. I can't even remember when the next, when it appears, but I know I did a video on it. <laughs> and it's great. Everybody go watch go, it go. right now. We'll wait. Unless you haven't seen the return. Unless you haven't seen the return. Oh, damn. <laughs> I'm not going to go watch it. <laughs> I guess that's a spoiler. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I didn't say it was in the return. I Patrick just, I, did. Oh, okay. I did. That was my bad. Uh, that was such a loose spoiler. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's talk about the Owl Cave. Yeah. Well, Owl Cave. I've heard of that. It's a cave. <laughs> yeah, the guys, the guys that found it, Denver Bob and Wayne Chance. That's correct, right? Yeah, I think so. I just loved that it was, of course, a guy named Bob. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who <laughs> disappeared? And then, uh, yeah, he disappeared. Yeah, and the other guy was Wayne Chance, as in one chance out between two worlds. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Did we did we already pass the where they talk about Mountain Man Johnson? Oh, uh, liver eating yeah. Johnson. Liver eating Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> right before this, so it, Owl Cave. Basically, it's Chief Joseph and uh, and Liver Eaton Johnson, also known as Jeremiah Johnson. I'm assuming he's related to Leo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love sure. it. <laughs> his great-grandfather. Now, I'm pretty sure Jeremiah Johnson was an actual person who existed. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah he was, yeah. Shoehorned into this tale. Yes. And this is a TP annotation, and this is true. After the surrender of Chief Joseph Johnson told Captain Ernest Wood that because of the Army's treatment of the Nez Perce, there would one day, quote, come a reckoning. Right. So one thing about that Johnson thing, too, though, like later TP confirms that someone, I forgot who it was with the last name Palmer, has no relation to the Palmer family. She doesn't make a note. Yeah, she doesn't that say that. It's not related to Leo. That's, that's why I thought that. <laughs> there you go. So I I think that's canon. I think one is more inclined to associate a Palmer with a Palmer in the Twin Peaks universe than they are a Johnson. No. You don't know how many Leo fans there are. Three, and I'm one of them. (laughs) Wait, are you like like season one Leo, or are you like New Shoes Leo? New Shoes Leo, obviously. (laughs) Okay. Confirmed. Confirmed. TP. And Firewalk with me, Leo. (laughs) (laughs) Scrubbing floor, Leo? Uh, so speaking of the the reckoning thing, yeah. and I, this this might be loose, but I want to walk it back just a little bit to when Chief Joseph was leading his people away from battle and somehow found a way to go seemingly through the mountains after having a meeting with uh, what he calls a sky person or a spirit. So for them to come back after this apparent friendship with whatever this spirit presence is around the area and say there will be a reckoning it's almost like if you take it as historical canon that that did happen he's like you don't know who we're friends with like this is going to come back on you yeah it's not going to be us yeah right exactly because we would never do anything like that (laughs) yeah but we know people yeah (laughs) i've been places i know people (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just want to stay where I am. Pl- yeah, we've already gone places, dude. That I know that's jumping ahead, but I mean, Carl Rod, like that. Just that one line that this book that makes blew that my mind. so much more. That it's actually incredible. blew my mind. So yeah. my theory about it was that he had like slipped a little bit in between the trailer park and the Black Lodge, thinking that was a portal for it, and just going like, "Whoa, I don't belong here." And my God, but no, he was abducted. Yeah, like, he has Look gone the places. Lady. He's already gone places. So did yes. he have the branding? Yes. Yes, Carl Rod has a brand. Okay. And just to throw in real quick about that whole thing and how much of this book is retconned, how much of it is stuff that was in Frost's mind, even maybe Lynch from way back. That's one of the like cruxes of this book is squaring that circle, so to speak. 
So we know yeah. Carl Rod, for example, like that's a retcon because yeah. I believe Carl Rod is solely a David Lynch and Robert Engel's creation. Yeah, even with the ring. I mean, it's funny how much yeah. the ring is in this yeah. book. You know, it's like that yeah. was a fire walk with me thing, which Frost yeah. wasn't part of. Right. So part of the, re the creation of the return and this book was for Frost to work things in from fire walk with me that weren't his and make them his own and part of their new story that they created yeah so again why david lynch hasn't read this book and this is all mark frost like certainly lots of this was discussed in the the genesis of the return just a lot of trust there. The, the carl rod stuff is great but that, <laughs> but yeah. carl rod carl rod and the ring I think are like the two big things from Firewalk with me in this book that you're like, oh, okay. When I read it for the first time, especially well, page one is like the ring or whatever. And you're like, okay, cool. I knew before that when this book came out, before the return came out, because I read this book, it was like, okay, cool. Like Frost and Lynch are incorporating like the whole world. The, the show and Firewalk with me are all going to be. Going to be, yeah. Well, that was the thing too. There was that there was that quote that came out with David Lynch before the return. How he how he said it was like an essential part. Like Firewalk with Me, you couldn't just gloss over it. Basically, you know, it was like Firewalk with Me is an essential part of what's to come. Yeah, uh, but I mean, this book this book just sort of you know definitely says that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, but back to the Al Cave thing. Like it's cool because you've got the graphic that we know and love of the mm -hmm. Al Cave painting in that guy's journal. So Jeremiah Johnson segues into, so where did you find the guy's name is Wayne Chance? I didn't write down the page. There was a whole thing in there about Denver Bob and Wayne Chance. It was said it was like the Wayne Chance was like a drifter or something like that. Uh, okay. Because Wayne Chance wrote the journal entry. So the guy that, you see Denver Bob's name like 20 times. Right. The one guy saying Denver Bob did this, then Denver Bob disappeared, then Denver Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wayne Chance wrote, yeah, okay. Yeah, but I love that you get the Val Cave image in there. Yeah. Love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. I just picture Andy just drawing that on that chalkboard. <laughs> it's a mile. Yeah. It's a mile. And also that's the Val Cave thing bleeds into that. And there's an archivist note about how the Illuminati's and Bohemian Grove and the symbol is the owl and they worship this owl. That's where you can draw the idea that, uh, so that journal, the Denver Bob journal was found in the basement of a Masonic temple. And then the archivist says, interesting that it was found in the Masonic temple because the, Mason, the Mason's enemy is the Illuminati and the Illuminati symbol is the owl. Right. Yeah. So again, does this pan out in Twin Peaks as a whole? Not really, but it's like another sub, sub, sub layer of the kind of stuff that Frost is into, whatever you want to call it, good versus evil or democracy versus authoritarianism. Versus I think it's definitely a dichotomy, and this comes up all through this book. So if you're going uh, with the Illuminati and the Masonic Lodge as the sort of at-odds lodges, where one is more spiritual and one is more based in fact and reason. And that's really a running theme for this entire book. Yeah. Like it's always, you're presented with one thing that seems very outlandish and spiritual. And then that's immediately countered by something based in reality or something scientific. And 
I mean, it just it keeps going. So the, the Packards and the Martells are in the area now, and they've both started their logging businesses. And then everything just catches on fire. And, pe- and people are like, oh, Which it's is, an accident. And then others are saying, well, it's the curse. It's funny how history repeats itself, too, what we know in the mm-hmm. show with all the fires. And right. The- fire also very much at the forefront. Of course. Yeah, well, yeah. fire walk with me. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got people wondering if this was you know, an arson or if it was an accident or if it's straight up a curse that they finally, this is our reckoning. Yeah. Like it's, it's always that, that constant, you know, battle between reason and the spirit. Yeah. It's definitely cool. And it's, I think it even spills even the, so you have a private page of a diary from Andy Packard who kind of was out there and was like, hey, they didn't tell you about this part. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they wanted it, they wanted it to sound more reasonable, but no, this was bananas. Still waiting on the uh, Secret Diary of Andrew Packard release. <laughs> I've got it on pre-order. Yeah, follow up on that. Between Two Worlds, again, like constant theme in Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. but the logic versus spiritual. So you've got, you mentioned earlier, Dave, the Jacoby and the left and right side of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's another example. And he goes into how Nadine is blinded in one eye, which has screwed up her balance. And you've also got the two Milford brothers, I don't know if you remember, like, again, not to be super political, but like Dwayne is a hardcore liberal. The mayor is a liberal Democrat. Dougie, Doug Milford, Douglas Milford, who's the star of this book, is traditionally <laughs> like more conservative. So, yeah, there's always this clash of ideas. There's always two lodges or two schools of thought that are in conflict. And even so, even sorry, but even so, Doug Milford himself who is the closet badass of this book. Yeah. Even yeah. being a very conservative or Republican-minded individual, he takes on the study of, you know, UFOs and strange encounters. Yeah. He, he really goes X-Files. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, When he's trying to find an answer for the things he's experienced because he's not finding it spiritually. He right. wants to find a way to reason through it. So even in himself, he's got that clash. Yeah. How great is it that they gave such a minor season two character this amazing backstory? <laughs> I think it's easier to do with somebody who they didn't give you a lot of before. Yeah, he was it on was screen time for two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a whole series based on this guy's life. That would right. be an amazing prequel series about on this book would be pretty As sweet. much as I love the mayor, <laughs> his brother yeah. rocks. Yeah. 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 I, I think that, uh, so again, like, yeah, one, was it easier? Because he was a minor character and people don't have preconceived notions. And this is an ability to world build with this character. But also I think that actor who was Dougie Milford, Frost really liked him from what I've read. No, I, that's kind of getting off track, but like my original notes that I was going to bring up for like an introduction is like, what's super weird about this book is like you said, Dougie Milford is like the secret badass of this book. And like, we are, reading agent tp who is annotating the archivists who's major briggs Mm -hmm. annotating his expanded research of douglas milford's original Original (laughs) yeah and if you count yourself as the reader i mean there's like four levels of like dougie milford is the agent cooper of of his time yeah yeah if this book totally existed on its own dougie milford is that cool FBI agent that's figuring all this stuff out. And he's mm-hmm. he's dead. He's long dead. And you are Tammy Preston or whatever, mm-hmm. going through another guy who is tracing super badass agent Dougie Milford's story. 
And again, even like that kind of realization didn't even hit me till like maybe the second read through. I was like, oh my God, this is this is actually about Dougie Milford. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't get it because the first hundred pages are about Lewis and Clark and the Indians. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, but you don't, you know, so I didn't get it. It, it takes some exposure to really let it all sink in. I realized he was a huge part of what this book was covering, but it took the second listen through to just be like, he's the glue yeah. for yeah. everything. He's the Fox Mulder out there kicking in doors and asking questions yeah. that nobody else is asking yes. and getting the answers that nobody wants to give him. It's really cool. Yeah. He really is. He's the one that, uh, isn't he the one that gets like the report of the guy whose plane crashes when he can't get clearance from his buddy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, like like he always lets me know if the skies are clear, and then he didn't. I think it was Milford who got a hold of that to put it in the hands of Garland Briggs. Yeah. By the end of everything, like he, all these stories come from him. Yeah. And you get Basically. no semblance of that from the show. Oh no, it's no. it's ridiculous. And then the guy gets the guy gets killed with sex. <laughs> that's what we know. That's how I Death remember. Death by sex. <laughs> Death by sex. Band name. Yeah. <laughs> How much simpler oh. does it have to be? But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's hard to take in all this knowledge, especially seeing Briggs being so coy in the show and him having known like a lot of this stuff. And it's just like, yeah. why just tell Cooper? Like, just <laughs> just tell him. They were waking at each other from across the room. Just... You, you can cut six episodes from this season. Get it yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, cut the Evelyn Marsh storyline. Give us more. That's what I kept oh saying when we were covering gosh. it. I was like, give me more. Give me more Briggs wow. and Coop. Yeah. yeah. There's Evelyn Marsh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just spend a whole episode with them in the woods. <laughs> yeah. There's so many so, like spinoff series I want from small <laughs> scenes in the show. Well, you loved... You loved the dispute between brothers, so you're getting your uh, you're getting your Milford backstory here. It's, so. it's true. It's true. The other thing I, I have on my list of questions for you guys is: Did you notice the inconsistencies between the show and the book? Mm -hmm. I feel like I noticed. That was also that was also my question. That was also my question for them. <laughs> okay, I couldn't tell you what they are, but when I heard them, I was like, what? That's, well, the yeah. one Tyler, the one Tyler, when we spoke, we tried not to talk oh, about, about too much Pete? before this, but yes, yeah, about Pete. Yeah. Say it. Pete plays checkers, not chess. Verified. Um, TP. I'm pretty sure eight <laughs> episodes relied on Pete playing chess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, that, well, that seems like a goof. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot though. Like, I mean, we don't have to like break down everything, but I found a quote from Mark Frost. Don't know what the quote's from, but he talks a little bit about it, and he just says that you know he purposefully decided for the book to be a dossier of documents from various people, you know, and it's going through pretty much different people. So he purposely put you know typos or statements that seem untrue because his reasoning was being that actual historical documents are presented this way with inconsistencies and inaccuracies. You know, because if you're writing down something too, like word of mouth or it travels, you know, you might have heard Pete played chess, but in your head it's stuck as checkers, you know, as you write down checkers. I don't know. That's a pretty big one to get wrong. <laughs> well, there, there's more. I mean, there's more than just that. The, that wasn't the only quote that I found, though. He's being coy. Mr. Frost yeah. is being a little cheeky with that, which is great because I've read enough interviews with him now. I know when he's messing with us and when he's yeah. not. Yeah. Well, the other quote that I found, he, he said, in life, you have to learn to live with paradoxes. And sometimes what we think we know isn't what actually happened. Sometimes what we think really happened isn't something that we actually know. 
and sometimes things will be revealed further down the line that will help clarify all those that's things. the quote you guys need to we can't talk about we can't talk <laughs> one that's true about history that is true pick any topic of history that you're interested in and do a deep dive of research you will find inconsistencies of documents and recollections and etc cetera, etc cetera. even photographs especially now with the internet there's pictures on the internet that are completely wrong but because somebody attributed it once mm -hmm. in 1995 when the internet first came out now it's 30 years later and everybody thinks this picture represents this one thing and right. they're totally wrong anyway he's right about history but that second quote is more important so history works this way, memory works this way. And what he just said about what we think we know, maybe we don't. Uh, I mean, we get a lot more of that too uh, when we get into the Twin Peaks stuff because there was a ton that stood out to me. And I mean, we'll certainly get oh, to some of them. But yeah. I also wonder too, if some of this was just a nod to the other books ha having the inconsistencies as well. Just being like, well, these already have, like the Secret Diary does, the Cooper one certainly does because he goes to Deer Meadow, you know, when, yeah. Movie, not Did uh, Mark Frost write the other book? No. Who wrote the Dale Cooper autobiography? His brother. His brother's, Scott. yeah. Scott. Oh, the guy? Um, Scott Fro. Oh, Scott Fro. Yeah. Scott <laughs> Yeah. Scott yeah. Uh, the and then Jennifer yeah. Lynch wrote the Laura Palmer diary. Yeah. And Frost wrote these new two books. And and another writer wrote The Access Guide to the Town. I think it's in that book they talk about the log lady's slog being Ponderosa Pine. Yeah. In this book, it's Douglas Fir. Yes, correct. Yeah, that's one of them, yeah. Why wouldn't it be Douglas Fir? Right? <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Big majestic trees. Yeah, it was, well, ex exactly. Was there anything else, Tyler or Dave, though, about inconsistencies in the book? That was, I think that was the biggest one that stood out to me. But there were other little, I think, minor things that yeah. my ears would just perk up. Like, yeah. Oh, that's not how I'm, I remember I'm not it. good with dates. I know there are some yeah. actual timeline inconsistencies as far as like oh, yeah. when events happen. But the only one that I caught, because it wasn't directly related to a date, was when Major Briggs gets the printout that has Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Yeah. And he was uh, saying that he got that after the case had been closed. And then he took it to him to show him what was going on. But it was actually during, like, yeah. while the investigation See, was ongoing. Why Why even try to get away with that? <laughs> like, there's no point in saying that that happened after. <laughs> like, what is the one benefit of, them, of One of the big sore thumb, too, was, like, Josie's death being, like, 10 days before it happened. It would have, like, lined up with Leland dying, I think. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Make any sense? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, first of all took like two months to watch the first season and then <laughs> i don't know it took forever to watch it so my concept of time is already messed up because of that and then the fact that the two seasons take place over like two weeks like further <laughs> fucks up my yeah. time yeah. yeah so like did she die at the same time as leland i don't <laughs> I, if you told me that i would absolutely believe you yeah and I feel like, too, he expects, like, you know, the hardcore fans to sit here and he knows they're going to sit here and dissect this thing and pull it apart and literally line it up with the timeline that they've been given. And uh, then rip oh, it apart? Did this happen this date? Did this happen this date? Yeah. Why? We can't Why do you. that? We, we can't <laughs> tell you. We both just said the exact same thing. We both just said we can't tell you. I don't know. The fans are, like, I don't know. 
I don't even know. I think you're right when you were talking about the a nod to the other books. And I consider the way, and you guys will get this when you watch The Return, but like, it's its own thing. Like, I don't know if it makes sense without the other parts, uh, but the original show is just as different from Fire Walk With Me. That's just as different as The Return. That's just as different as the books. They all have, like, Jennifer Lynch, the diary book is its own thing. It works its own way. It's got its own language. It's Laura's own voice. It's her perspective. The Cooper tapes are a lot similar because it's kind of a diary journal thing. This is its own thing that doesn't have to depend on all the rules of all the other parts. But doesn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> but well, Or shouldn't it? Well, no, because... <laughs> I'm going to well, go crazy. I got here. I got a great quote. You got some words you want to read me? Okay, these are my words, but this is something I wrote that I, I grabbed at the last minute and threw in my notes for this discussion. But series co-creator Mark Frost dislikes the term canon in regards to Twin Peaks, a sentiment that I agree with. However, I'm going to try to connect the individual parts, frame the story as a whole, because I'm, I'm this was the original intro to one of my videos I was going to do. But it's basically Mark Frost doesn't like canon. He doesn't like that term. He doesn't think that that every single so all he the individual like continuity or right things making sense. This actually explains a lot. So he wants his <laughs> yeah. fans to like torch his house he, and David Lynch him. He wants walls with red yarn and pins going all over the place, connecting to photographs and documents, and, and they're maps. all going in different directions. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. It's like so. In the show, in the original show, Laura gives Harold uh, her diary before he dies, and, and it would have been a different day. Basically, that whole Laura giving Harold the pages, it doesn't line up. Doesn't in me. So, like, yeah. did you guys lose sleep over that? Or <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I don't think they, they didn't bring it up. I didn't mention it because that... that... I, anytime is, I've thought about that, Martin time. Short shows up on screen. I'm <laughs> I check out. <laughs> okay, it didn't, it didn't bug me at all because I'd already grown to accept that timelines, days, these just aren't going to line up, and I don't have the energy to try and keep up with days of the week on a calendar and say. See, I would never do that, here. but I want it. Like it bothers me. It bothers me that it doesn't seek up in my head. Like kind of like what he says too about this though. It's just like people misremember like you know certain things. But and if but information no, is no, <laughs> this is his information. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot more. Yeah, right. but fire walk with me is not. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't involved in it. But I mean, I talk about this in my Philip Jeffries video that you can't watch till after the return either. But uh, <laughs> yeah. This, concept of revisionism in Twin Peaks and how it's pervasive throughout all of it. And it starts in the original show because it's just the nature of extremely fast serial television writing in the late 80s. Yeah. So you've got the different writers. You got different writers. And then like, you know, you're um, I think in the in the pilot, they find a bloody towel, find a bloody towel at the crime scene. That's season one opener. Season two opener, Albert is recapping everything, and they find a bloody towel and two torn-out pages of a diary. Yep. That, those diary pages weren't mentioned in the first season, but they're opening the second season with it. Yeah. So, okay, this diary thing is going to be a thing now. 
And then the final episode, the final episode of season two, Hawk says that they're like, "Oh, I lost him at I lost the I lost Wyndham Merle at Glastonbury Grove," yeah. and Hawk goes, "That's where I found the bloody towel and the two pages of the diary," which I think is fine, whatever. But like now, yeah. there's two missing pages of the diary and a bloody towel. And I guess they were found near this mystical place that we're about to go find out what it is. And like, yeah. that's just, and I can't say anymore until the return. Yep. <laughs> How do you write a story? I don't know. Like he, he is creating his own thing that exists on its own, yeah. but it's also tied to these other things. And all of these things as a whole or separately all have inconsistencies and or revisions in them. Like basically none of it's perfect. So he wrote that in the secret history. Hey, maybe this is how memory works. Oh, yeah. Hey, this is how history works. Hey, you know. So you wouldn't say like anything that Frost was involved in is what you should take. Yeah, every, which is everything but firework. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, do th I think it's an extremely clever way to kind of fudge the missteps. Exactly. Like That's it, the first thing I thought of when I read this book is like he is writing in an explanation for missteps that might have been taken or inconsistencies that might have existed with this book as a historical document because history is flawed, even recorded yeah. history. So, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that might be too meta for you, Tyler. You're, you're further increasing my argument for Twin Peaks <laughs> being irresponsible. <laughs> we'll put up a yeah. poll yeah i get well we know how that went last time yeah i voted three times and still lost <laughs> we'll be back next week for part two of the secret history of twin peaks for anything that we might have missed or for any comments questions or concerns you can reach us at talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com we're also on instagram at talkingbackwardspod patrick you can hit us up on Twitter at Talking Backward. Tyler. Anchor. .fm slash Talking Backwards. Big thank you one more time to Jeremiah Beaver. Take the ring. Mr. Ring. I think we were starting to get into the Owl Cave, uh, but I'm... We got a little bit past... Yeah, we got, I think we, we... we got past that. We got to yeah. the burning of the mills. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And... Uh, Andy Packard's private diary entry. Yeah, young Andy Packard, the Boy Scout. Little yeah. Andy Packard. Get some knee high orange, orange soda. soda. <laughs> that was cute. See, yeah. I wanted that. I wanted that to happen earlier. But you can't force it. <laughs> this kind of chemistry. Chemistry. I'm gonna stay with You're it. You're just this kind the of chemistry. Dumbest person I know. <laughs>